0: There are parts of the world where rheumatologists are as rare as unicorns. Today's guest wants to fix that. This is the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. With me today is Dr. Michelle Meltzer, Associate Professor of Medicine at Thomas Jefferson University, Philadelphia, and President of the Board of Directors for Rheumatology for All. Today we're discussing that organization and the need for rheumatologists in many parts of the world where they are scarce or absent. Dr. Meltzer, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So, tell us, you're a rheumatologist, and tell us how you got interested in rheumatology outside of the United States.
1: So, it all started when I had a midlife crisis and went back to school to get a master's of bioethics. And while I was there, there was an email for a fellowship in global health. I decided to just give a go for it. I got it and was sent to Ghana for a few weeks. And While I was in Ghana on a completely unrelated issue, I did notice that there were no rheumatologists at all and in fact I went to one of the largest medical schools there and in the hospital I couldn't even find a book of rheumatology and when I came back, I started developing an interest and then I was fortunate to hear through the rheumatologist about Inez Colmegna, who is a rheumatologist in Canada and she had received a grant from Ilar to do continuing education in Kenya. And I contacted her, and it's a long story, but we started in Kenya and then went to Ethiopia. In Kenya, at least I had a handful of rheumatologists. In Ethiopia, there's no rheumatologist at all. And we started working with a nephrologist, Dr. Ewan DeWosen, and he was just struck that he had no one to help him manage the patients with lupus and he was losing some of these young women, and others were on dialysis. We went through Inez and people who had received a grant from Ilar. We went to Ethiopia to do two CMEs on rheumatology, And ILAR was extremely generous in their funding, but we decided the problem was huge and we wanted to do even more. So in December of 2016, we formed a nonprofit called Rheumatology for All. And our goal is starting in Ethiopia, but really to try to improve access to rheumatology in resource-poor areas all over. But our model is being developed in Ethiopia.
0: I think that's wonderful. You know, I was struck by the sentence on your website that musculoskeletal diseases are among the leading causes of disability worldwide. I never appreciated that, but now that I think about it, the scope of rheumatological diseases is huge. What do you see when you go to underdeveloped countries most often that needs help, and what diseases?
1: Well, this is a very good question. One of the first places I went to was in a mid-size city in Kenya. And when I got there, they said, oh, we don't really see too many patients with rheumatologic problems. And within a few days, my cell phone, which I had not mastered at that time, was literally just nonstop ringing. And I saw everything. I saw patients with lupus, with scleroderma. I was only there for like 10 days. Gout was a huge problem. And the problem is uh, I found the physicians I treated. I was very impressed with their fund of knowledge but since there is no rheumatologist in Ethiopia and few rheumatologists in Kenya there's no one to teach the doctors about these diseases nor to teach them about our medicine there's a clinic in Addis Ababa that's in Ethiopia that is run by medical residents and it's a rheumatology clinic and We saw everything there, but the residents were afraid to use methotrexate past 7.5 milligrams once a week, and even that, the access to the methotrexate was spotty because of of national shortages. So I saw everything from back pain, osteoarthritis of the knee to lupus and vasculitis. So they, they have everything that we have and more.
0: Let me ask you another question. I know in my suburban Chicago area... We don't have enough rheumatologists here. I mean, there's always a way to see them. Are there enough training programs in America that you can really make a dent in the rest of the world? Can we bring people on and train enough of them?
1: First of all, we're not having them come over to the United States. There's a excellent training program in Durban, in South Africa, that's been training rheumatologists. There's several from Nigeria, Cameroon, I think, and Kenya have gotten their training there. There is a disadvantage to being trained in the United States. One, our patient population does not reflect the patient population that you see in South Africa, I mean, that you see in Africa, in Kenya, or in Ethiopia. And we have, I don't know what the wisdom is of teaching someone to use MRIs if there's not an MRI in their country. So it's more a different use of resources. Also, if someone comes to the United States, they have to have additional training because they can't come have to do the residency over
0: again. If you're just joining us, this is ReachMD, and I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. I'm speaking with Dr. Michelle Meltzer from Rheumatology for All, a nonprofit organization. We're talking about how the organization helps to bring rheumatologists to areas of the planet where they just don't exist or exist in short supply. Well, Dr. Meltzer, can you tell us more about the organization, how people can get involved, how they can help? You can even give us a webpage address.
1: Yes, so the webpage page is rheumatologyforall.org, and we do accept donations. At this point, our first goal is to train two people who we've already identified from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, to become rheumatologists. And we have two spots for them in Durban, South Africa. We will branch out to other areas, but just not in the United States, use for training programs. And we're hoping to have them trained for two years. We're also looking for funding now to work on infrastructure. We did, and we'll be presenting at the ACR next week, a poster about access to methotrexate and the use of methotrexate. And so people can help us do one is to donate. Once we have funding, we will be looking for people to, and not just physicians, nurses, physical therapists, occupational therapists, to provide CMEs. If someone is good at Facebook, I would love to start a forum where people can have an active conversation. It's hard to have a conversation in real time because we're in different time zones. But I would love to see a program on Facebook where we use de-identify patients to discuss maybe patients for different issues. Someone who has knowledge about working with governments because we have a problem with the health ministry. And this apparently is in other countries too, just getting access to drugs, letting them know that methotrexate and other drugs that we use are desperately needed and have to be given in a regular supply. We need public health advocacy to let the population know about our diseases and that they can be treated. So there are many different levels of help that
0: we'll accept. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like you're just in the beginning of the organization where you're in the getting initial funding and awareness, making people aware of this organization, which we hope this program will help do. If you could paint a picture of your organization 10 years down the road, what would that look like?
1: 10 years down the road, I'd love to have people on the ground, rheumatologists and an infrastructure on the ground. But I would also like to have an international program where we can help provide educational services I don't know if you're familiar with the MOOCs, uh, massive open online courses, where you can take a course, interact with other people. It's not just a series of lectures, but it's interactive so that we could teach people, even in remote areas of the world, rheumatology, but that they could interact. One of the deficiencies I found as a Westerner is when we go to areas like Ethiopia, I am totally don't know anything about many of the infectious diseases it turns out, for instance, in Ethiopia, that almost everyone has been exposed to schistosomiasis. So one of the questions we were asked is, is it okay to give methotrexate and someone who has schistosomiasis? Well, this hobby, I knew how to spell schistosomiasis, much less know anything else about it. So if we had an educational program where people in different countries could communicate, then they can share that information in ways that as a Westerner, I don't think I could provide it. So that that would be one of my...
0: Now, you have a professional organization with rheumatology, I'm sure, like we have with dermatology. Do they support this work?
1: Right now, we have... The answer is no. So the international organization, ILAR, International League Against Rheumatism, does give grants. But right now, what I'm talking about, there's really no organization, and it's I've looked into it before. it is extremely expensive to do this right. There's all kinds of issues I mean this is you said well, what would I envision it is accreditation, how do you do things like that, malpractice. So I'm not sure that the American College of Rheumatology has ability or capacity to do this on an international
0: level well, or at least to to inform their members to increase awareness.
1: yes. We want to increase awareness. The American College of Rheumatology is very much of an international organization. I always love looking at everyone's name tags. And we get a small number of rheumatologists in Africa, but a fair number of them do come over to our meetings. And we are in contact with the current president of the African League Against Rheumatism. One of our board members is the past president of AFLAR. So, you know, we are working with the people who are over there right now.
0: Well, it sounds like you're taking the concept of third world and throwing it out the window and saying this is one world and we need to help.
1: That's exactly it. We are all one world. And the the thing that we're learning is, especially with all these new infectious diseases, who better to teach us about it than someone, you know, like dengue fever, chikyonga. I mean, someone who already knows about it, they can help us the same way. That so we can help them, but I think that's really the bottom line: is that we are all together. Uh, we look at lupus in the United States. Well, the you know, how is it different? What's the epidemiology in other different parts of the world? One of the things that we're encouraging to the two trainees is we want them to have the ability to do epidemiologic studies and to gather information, and this is why we want them to have two years and not one year of training.
0: Great. You know, as Thoreau said about your organization, it doesn't matter where you are at any particular point in time, it's in which direction you're heading. So my thanks to our guest, Dr. Michelle Meltzer. We've been discussing rheumatology for all, an organization bringing the specialty to areas where it is not currently found. Dr. Meltzer, it was great having you on the program.
1: Oh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit ReachMD.com or download the ReachMD app. We welcome you to share, like, and comment on this podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and this is ReachMD, inviting you to be part of the knowledge. Thank you for joining us.